Shabbat Shalom, everyone. Well, this is the big Torah portion on Balaam the prophet. What a Torah portion. So excited about that. I'm going to be talking about pro- prospering in times of judgment because judgment is here and it's growing. But God has a plan for his people. He is for us and not against us. So I'm going to bring this message to you in just one minute. But before I do, I want to invite someone up today who came and I didn't realize he would be here today with us. He is a pastor. He is one of our former elders at the time of probably our greatest crisis in our history as a church. He stepped on the board to help navigate us through a very, very difficult time. He fought a lot of battles on our behalf. I really believe that God gave him to us for that season and that without him, we may not have made it. He's a significant part of the harvest. Please welcome Pastor Norm Franz. So Norm, didn't know you're going to be here. I know, I thought, is it his spirit or is it really him? Everybody else knew. I just told him not to tell you. That's right, that's right. Well, it's good to have you here, brother. Just love you so much, you and your wife, and uh, just so important to us uh, to acknowledge all that you've done for us. We love you and we bless you. Well, um, your shoes on the other foot now because uh, you blessed me my whole time here. I learned so much from you and... And together we learned together, we disagreed on things, but we always came to an amicable love for each other. Yes. And I just, um, I can't tell you how much the harvest and you and Don and man, all the kids are so big. I know, yeah. I mean, it's unbelievable. You guys have grown so much and a lot of good memories here. Um, no bad memories, just all good. Even that time you were talking about. Very difficult, yeah. Yeah. But that's the stuff I live for, so. Yeah, and, and you yourself, you went through an enormous series of battles yourself, and we thought, that's it. Norm's gone on, you know, to better places, and, and you made it through. You made it through, and, and so praise God for that. Yeah, amen, yeah. amen. Well, the Lord has a way of, um, of just bringing you through. There's a, um, and I asked the Lord a number of times, even on this last bout that I had with Guillaume Beret, do you want me to retire now? And he has just said, no. You have a message I put in your mouth. You do it until the end. And, of course, I'm still asking him, the end of what? Tell me what the <laughs> end is. He said, you know, just basically, you'll know when it's the end for you. Yeah. And so, and that's what we have to, regardless of what we face in life, in ministry, we just have to continue to move forward in him. And um, there's a lot of Balaam's coming. Yeah. There's a lot of Balaam's you, you, out there. You told, me, you told me about 10 years ago, you said, Pastor Mark, get ready, because the time is coming for the war of the prophets, yeah. that there's going to rise up so many false prophets, and they're going to attack the true prophets, and the war in the future is going to be the prophets against yeah, the prophets. That's right. And you're right. It's here. They're, in fact, in, in fact, early in the harvest, I'd always have people that w- would come, they'd blow in with the wind. You know, I'm prophet, and they'd have like three Hebrew names, four Hebrew names, you know. 
Prophet Amos Ben Michael Elijah of Tishba or whatever, you know. <laughs> thinking, here we go. And I got a message from the Lord for you. I'd say, wait, 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 wait. I said, are you a prophet? Of course I am. You know, I'm a prophet. I said, oh, okay, because we have one. They'd say, what? I said, yeah, we have one already. He's right over there. I'd point at Norm. I'd say, I said, go talk to him. He's our prophet in our community. And any word that you have from the Lord, you pass through him. Yeah, they didn't get anywhere. They never came. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. I remember one time I actually sent Norm after one of them. They're out in the parking lot after I went and listened to him. They're trying to talk to some of our members. So I said, Norm, go talk to him. He thinks he's a prophet, you know. And so Norm would go out there. And I remember one time this guy was like way above Norm. Norm's like, Hit, hitting him in the chest, just, and the guy's like backing up, you know, it's like, yes, go Norm, you know, but you've been a blessing, you've watched over, you've been a guardian of the harvest at a critical time, and uh, we thank you for that. Tell us your website where people can find you and support your ministry. Um, AscensionMinistries.net, uh, in fact, um, we're just doing a series on um, the prophets. Yes. Um, the office and ministry of a prophet versus just somebody flowing in the gift of prophecy. Right, good. And um, it's really good that we know how to test the prophets, not just the prophecy, but the prophet, him or herself. Yeah, yeah. thank you. Ascensionministries.net. Ascensionministries.net, N-E-T, not dot com. And uh, get that teaching about the office and the gift of prophecy. You'll love it. Thank you, Norm. Thank you. Love you. Okay, so this nation, our nation, has long turned its face from God, and in response, it seems as though God's covering has been removed from us. You can see that the last number of years, right? And judgment seems to be pouring into this country. So what does it mean for us who believe and have not turned our faces from the Almighty? It's important that the body is reminded that God is sovereign over the world and all that is happening. His promises are true and independent of our circumstances. He guides and helps us find stability in the midst of chaos. In addition to this understanding, God gives us specific responsibilities to fulfill as believers in the good times and in the bad times. The Apostle John gives us some insight to these God-given responsibilities in his letters to the communities that he oversees. He also shows us how to prosper in the midst of great difficulties. Let's pray. Father, we are here before you with great joy, knowing that you are in control and that you're navigating, that you're going to make a way for your people like you've always made a way for them. So we take great joy in stepping into your word at this time and receiving from you the encouragement that we need in times of chaos and confusion, levels that we've never seen before in this nation. We know you're at work. Our hearts are at rest. Give us peace in Jesus' name. 1 John chapter 5. I think this is going to conclude our series on the letters of John 2. Um, so thank you for hanging in with me on this. I think we're in series number 5. 1 John chapter four, 5, verses 1 through 4. 
Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And whoever loves the father loves the child born of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and observe his commandments. Isn't that funny that that has to be stated? We, it, it, should just, it should just read, right? We love God. When we love God, this is how we know that we're the children of God. We love him. But God knew we needed help defining what love is because we live in a time in which we're redefining all of the words, turning everything upside down so that good is evil and evil is good. So God goes on to say through John, we're to love him and observe his commandments. Verse three, for this is the love of God that we keep his commandments. This is the love of God. I love God. Do you keep his commandments? Because that's the vindication of whether your love is true. If you don't keep his commandments, as John said, you're a liar. The truth is not in you. This is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Remember the Sabbath to keep it whole. No one can do that. John returns to the definition of what it means to love God in chapter 5. He says it's in obedience to the commandments that love is vindicated. He says his commandments are not difficult to keep. His commandments are not too hard to observe. His commandments are not too heavy to carry. His commandments do not weigh us down. That's your flesh. If something inside of you is saying, oh man, that's kind of hard, you know, to honor your mother and father or restrain yourself from stealing or observing the Sabbath. Yeah, that's your flesh saying that's too hard. Because when you think about it, your spirit rejoices in these things. There's no burden to keeping the commandments of God. It's the commandments that bring us joy. It's the, the commandments that safeguard our happiness. It's the commandments that release the blessings into our lives. They're not a burden. They're a joy. They're a great joy. Obedience has rewards, and disobedience has penalties. God's faithful. He's faithful. He's faithful to the covenant. He's going to release the blessing when we obey, and he's going to release the curse because he's faithful to the covenant when we disobey. And the curse is a blessing too. It's designed to get our attention and redirect us. God is so good. Like I've said this before, I'd get a spanking for bad behavior when I was a kid. Yeah, I kind of liked it. I mean, not, not while I was getting it, but it helped me release my guilt and shame for what I was doing. If I didn't get a spanking, I'm like, come on, someone beat me. I feel bad. I need some, I need a spanking. Got to release my guilt and shame, right? So, you know, chastisement comes to us because God loves us. His curses are designed to turn us around and bring us back into the place of blessing. If we embrace the Torah and live in it, we will prosper. We will be overwhelmed with reward. It doesn't save us. No, now that I'm saved, 
If I walk in his ways, I'm going to experience the blessing. If I don't, even though I'm saved, I'm going to experience a lot of chastisement. I hate chastisement. I don't want any. I'm going to just set my heart on obeying. It's in the observance of the commands of God that God releases rewards and our soul finds this abiding satisfaction. 1 John 5, 4. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. We're overcomers. Sure, the battle looks great at times. Sure, it looks like we're overwhelmed. Sure, it looks like we're not going to win. But God is not a liar. He has spoken, declared, proclaimed the end from the beginning that we are overcomers. We're overcoming this evil, hate-filled, sexually perverted, and bizarre world that we're living in. Evil will not win. The good will triumph over the evil. We are triumphing over it one battle at a time. And sure, we take some heavy hits from time to time, right? We take some heavy hits from time to time. But we are winning, and we will win. So be encouraged. 1 John 5.13 These things I've written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. 14 and 15 This is the confidence which we have before him that if we ask anything according to his will he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests which we have asked from him. Underline all of that one. Think about that. The sovereign one who's overseeing everything says, you have my ear, son. You have my ear, daughter. Talk to me. What are you facing? What are you going through? What's your fears? Bring them to me. Let's talk. I'm sovereign over everything. With me, all things are possible. Isn't that exciting? That just changes the war forever. Faith moves mountains. Not complaining, not murmuring. Faith. When you trust that God is good, that he hears you, everything begins to change. If you're grumbling and you're saying, oh, God will never listen to me and I don't deserve to be listened to, all that kind of stuff, yeah, good luck with that. Wish you the best. But if you want to overcome, you got to know that God is good. That's what it says in Hebrews. you got to come to God believing that he is good and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Seek him. Know that if you seek him, he'll reward you. He'll bless you. He's for you, not against you. Faith moves mountains. Faith is released through prayer. And faith-filled prayers move mountains in our lives and in our world. We serve a God who is a miracle worker, a way maker. He's driven by an overwhelming love for us. He just loves us so much. He's just saying, please ask me, ask me. Come to me, my children. I love you. I give good gifts, good spankings. 
Sometimes we need those, right? But they're good ones. I want to give you a story out of 1 Kings that kind of illustrates this idea of God's goodness. It is found in 1 Kings chapter 17. I'm not going to give you the full context because I don't have time. I'm going to begin in verse 8. It says, The word of the Lord came to him, Elijah, saying, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and stay there. Behold, I've commanded a widow there to provide for you. The song we had right before we transitioned, uh, The Kingdom is Simple, or I forget what the song was, but yeah, everything's different in the kingdom. It's the reverse of what it is in the world. It's like upside down, right? It's just counterintuitive. Elijah's in need. God has a mission for him. He says, go. I have this widow that I've commanded there to provide for you. What? Excuse me? Maybe you could take one of the one presenters and ask them to provide for me. Because surely they have the resources. Widows don't have resources. You're going to have someone who has nothing to provide for me. Right? Counterintuitive. But that's how God works. He works in a way that just doesn't fit our thinking or our thoughts. It's counter to what we normally think the solution should be. What we think we need is oftentimes what we don't need. Aren't you glad that the Holy Spirit help, helps us you know, shape our prayers and repack, repackage them and bring the appropriate answer that sometimes isn't the one we wanted, but then we go, wow, it's better. I didn't, I didn't think of that. Yeah, that's what God does. God is always working in a way that is multifaceted, that creates good on different levels with one answer. I've commanded a widow to provide for you. Verse 10, so he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, please, give me a little water in a jar that I may drink. The prophets are bold. If it was Elijah the pastor, what do you think the, he would have done? He wouldn't have asked her for anything. He's a pastor. He would have helped her pick up more sticks. Elijah's, excuse me, impoverished one, suffering, alone, widow, could you give me something to drink? But that's the prophets. So he, he asked her, give me, give me a, something to drink. As she was going to get it, he called her and said, please bring me a piece of bread in your hand as well. Ah, I'm thirsty. Oh, excuse me. Could you also bring me a sandwich? <laughs> Verse 12, she says, As the Lord your God lives. Notice that? She, she didn't say, As the Lord our God lives. Why? Yeah, she's probably in a place where she's blaming God for all that's happened to her. We don't know the circumstances, the backdrop she's a widow and a widow in those days in that place and didn't have a lot of provision pretty desperate place she probably has some angst with god she says well as the lord your god lives i have no bread 
only a handful of flour in the bowl and a little oil in the jar. And behold, I'm gathering a few sticks that I may go in, prepare for me and my son that we may eat and then die. Yeah, you can sense the sarcasm. You can sense the anger in this woman in a desperate, desperate place. When we are in places like this, are we not angry? When we're in places of great, great crisis, do we not find ourselves blaming God? These are places we all have been in or will be in, and maybe not just once or twice, but multiple times. But this is where God shines. This is where God comes in and proves himself. If you're in a tough, tough place, hang on. The blessing is coming. The breakthrough is coming. And you will look back at that time and you'll thank God for it, not in the midst of it, but after it. And what you see he does through, you'll say, oh, God, thank you for that. Elijah said to her, do not fear. That's a prophet. Do not fear. Why? Fear is the anointing of the evil one. Yeah, yeah, that's his anointing. You, you, you know, when you're around great evil, fear is always present. When God's presence descends, right, there's a peace and a joy and a life that's there that draws us. When the enemy shows up, there is a fear that just comes with that. And Elijah is sensing that the enemy has worked this woman in her crisis to the point where she's in great fear rather than faith. He says, do not fear. Do as you have said, but make me a little bread cake from it first and bring it out to me. And afterward, you you may make one for yourself and your son. Notice he didn't say, and then you can die. He's trying to tell her, hold on, hold on, trust me. Don't fear. I am the prophet of the Lord. Trust me. He goes on to say, for thus says the Lord God of Israel, the bull of flour shall not be exhausted, nor shall the jar of oil be empty." until the day that the Lord sends rain on the face of the earth. He's already prophesied a drought, and the drought's there, and it's been there, and it's pretty desperate for a lot of people. And then he gives this word to her. You're not going to die, and you're not going to run out of what you need. In fact, you're going to have what you need until the rain comes. What a word of encouragement. In the midst of great crisis, great difficulty, a widespread drought and famine. And he says, don't worry, trust in God. God has heard your prayer. He has seen what you're going through, and he is going to move and provide. Verse 15. So she went and did according to the word of Elijah. And she and her household ate for many days. 
What would that look like? You got this little bowl of flour, you know, in your kitchen. You got enough for you and your son. Now you got to split that and give it to, to this prophet guy, right? But he's just told you this word of encouragement, and maybe he is, you know, giving an accurate, true word from the Lord. Maybe everything is going to be okay. So she goes back. She does that. She makes him something to eat. She makes herself and her son something to eat. And the flour's gone and the oil's gone. Game on. Game on. Yeah. Gets up the next morning. There's flour in the bowl. Oil in the jar. Could you imagine? Could you imagine what that would be like, right? You, it would be like, what? Yeah. Yeah. So what are you going to do? Save it? You're going to ration it? Now you're going to make yourself a meal, you and your son, right? Even make another sandwich for the prophet. She probably went and tracked him down the next day. Day in, day out, day after day, night after night, she'd get up and there would be more flour in the bowl and the oil in the jar over and over and over until the rain came. God is watching over his people. God is not going to sweep away the righteous in the midst of the wicked. When judgment comes, God does that in a way that doesn't come and sweep away the righteous. He preserves us. Sure, there's tough times. Sure, there's disappointments. But he's going to see us through. And this is one of many stories of seeing his people through. I could give you story after story. You already know the stories. So be encouraged. As times get tougher and tougher, know that he is with us, that he is for us and not against us. Verse 16, the bowl of flour was not exhausted, nor did the jar of oil become empty. And it wasn't because she saved it. She'd use it up and God would replenish it. He did so according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke through Elijah. Are we in difficult times? Are you feeling the pinch? Feeling the pinch of the shutdowns, of inflation, of the confusion all around us, of the rise of evil in our land, around the world? Yeah, it's here and it's growing. The worst is yet to come. Deuteronomy chapter 28 lists numerous curses that come on a nation that forsakes the Lord. I don't have time to read those. I encourage you to go home today and open up Deuteronomy chapter 28. Read down through the blessings and read down through the curses. I want to pick out just kind of a summary of this. Deuteronomy chapter 28 and verse 20. The Lord will send upon you curses, confusion, and rebuke in all you undertake to do until you are destroyed and until you perish quickly on account of the evil of your deeds because you have forsaken me. The Lord will send upon you curses. One of them is confusion. Look at the rise of confusion in our nation. We got Ivy League educated PhDs that can't even define what a woman is. 
I don't know. I would say they're confused. Just me and Moses, the Torah, and everyone here, right? That's just confusion. They can't define gender anymore. It's out of control. There's like 60 plus genders. Who could pass that test? Name all the genders. Yeah, redefining the family, redefining sexuality, redefining government, everything. Upside down. Everyone's confused. We're under this pall of chaos now. Yeah. That's the curse of God on a nation that's gone astray. It's here. It's here. It's intensified. We've had several waves, really, of that over the last couple decades. And now it's ramping up. Moses goes on to list in Deuteronomy 28 some of those other curses. One of them is economic upheaval and then finally the collapse of the nation's economy. If things don't turn around, if the nation doesn't repent and come back to him, that's slated. You can see all of the rumblings and mechanisms that are leading us towards that. The invasions... The invasion of aliens. And I'm not talking about ETs. I'm talking about our border. Please. Along with this invasion, many, many criminals are coming across. The threat to our nation, to our families through the drug traffickers and the sex traffickers, the human traffickers, it's enormous. Again, God tells us that's one of the curses. He says, you keep it up, and I'll allow the aliens among you to grow stronger and stronger and rise higher and higher while you go lower and lower until you become the tail and not the head, and you borrow from them as they loan to you. You become their servants. All of that is happening. It's all around us. So what about us in the midst of it? What about the righteous, which is a remnant? It's very small in terms of numbers. What about the righteous? What's going to happen to us? God's promise is this. It shall go well with their souls. Yeah, there was a time in which Israel was being slated for Captivity, not only would their nation be judged and overthrown, they'd even be taken out of their land to a new land which they would be imprisoned, captive. Horrible time for Israel's history. One of the most desperate times outside of 70 AD. It was in that judgment that God was pouring out that God said to Elijah, Go and tell the righteous in the midst of my people, it shall go well with your souls. But tell the wicked in the midst of my people, woe to you, judgment has come. That's good news. Like he promised Abraham, I will not sweep away the righteous with the wicked. Far from me. I'm very careful in how I bring judgment. I'm like a surgeon, right? I know how to use the scalpel, the knife. God will preserve us. I believe he'll even prosper us in the midst of judgment. We see that in the land of Goshen. Judgment's falling all over Egypt, and there's the children of Israel up in the land of Egypt. People can't even get grain. They're like vegans with nothing to eat. 
And there they're up there with lamb chops and beef tenderloin. They're like got the best of the land, the cattle. They're, 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 oh, they're just in a great place. I hope that's slated for the righteous in our land. I hope, I hope we have one of those scenarios, right? Because there's many different scenarios when you talk about God judging a nation. But he won't sweep us away, that's for sure. Those who he is going to shake are the lukewarm and the wicked. He is sovereign over everything that happens. He's orchestrating and navigating history itself. You and I, we can trust him. Do not fret. Don't get in fear. Don't get in fear. I mean, I mean, when you, when you gather things and prep for natural phenomenon, floods, tornadoes, all that kind of stuff, that's good. That, that's not a problem, you know? But if you're trying to, like, store food and ammo for the next 30 years, you know, it's like, you don't need to do that. God's going to take care of us. You need to be wise and smart in how we prepare in times like this. Fear is of the enemy. Faith is of God. Hear the word of Elijah. Fear not. Trust in God. Fear not. Believe in the goodness of God. God is not a man that he would lie. Has he not spoken? Will he not do it? Ask the widow in Elijah's day. Let her speak to you. Ask Joseph in Pharaoh's prison and let him speak to you. Ask the lame beggar who encountered Peter and John that day at the temple gate and he'll encourage you. Ask Jesus, whom God rose from the dead and rescued from the lair of the evil one. Be encouraged. Remind yourself always that God is good. Trust in him. Bring your petitions before him and then get ready for your breakthrough. Amen. Get ready for your breakthrough. You'll say, well, you know, not everyone got a breakthrough. Some were sawed in half. No, that was their breakthrough, okay? That was their breakthrough. Because when they died, they immediately went into the presence of God and they got promotions and a crown that none of us get who didn't have that death. No, they, everyone, it's always a breakthrough. Even at death, your death is a breakthrough. Lots of breakthroughs, and then I die and get a big breakthrough. With God, life goes on. Ours, our lives are a forever life. So be encouraged. Remind yourself always with the words of John the Apostle found in chapter 5 of his first letter, verses 14 and 15. This is the confidence which we have before him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests which we have asked from him. Great. Okay, now, I got one minute left, so let me tell you a story. Alexia and Braden's wedding. Outdoors, the weather was like slated for like crazyville. You know, so our rehearsal night is supposed to be just rain and cats and dogs are like, what? This is horrible. Thunderstorms in the afternoon. Commerce City, we're like, oh man. So me and Don and some others, we got people praying, you know, we got our weather changers praying, our rainmakers, you know. We started just banging on heaven's door. God, have mercy, have mercy, have mercy, you know. So we're out there. It spitted a little bit here and there, you know, and the, the clouds were there, but it was great. No thunderstorms. It was just beautiful. 
But the next day, you know, we're going to be out there just like wilted, sweaty, balmy, and then beaten down by the sun out there with their wedding. And oh man, I'm thinking, God, do something, do something. The prayer warriors are all praying, God, you know, give us, give us clouds by day. That was a good prayer, right? Sure enough, all the clouds came. We were under the clouds the whole time. It was perfect. It was awesome. No one was sweaty. It was like we had this cloud cover the whole time and no rain. It was a blast to see God with us in their wedding, moving on our behalf in a small way, little miracle. Miracles come in all sizes. That was a miracle. God, we give you praise for that. We asked, you heard our prayer, and you responded. You are good. Shabbat shalom.